the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Seven in the Bible is the number of fullness. It's the number of completeness. And what this church in Sardis lacked was the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, it says, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, speaking of Jesus, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And so this is a description of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And it says, first of all, that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Lord. The third person who is most neglected in the Trinity is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the helper that Jesus sent down after he had ascended and returned to the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit is an instrumental part of a believer's life. He helps us grow, comforts us, and counsels us. He also gives us wisdom, understanding, and revelation to who God is. In today's message, Pastor Dan will be talking to us and helping us understand the importance of knowing the power and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Revelation chapter 3 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Let's open our Bibles to Revelation chapter 3 this morning as we are continuing our journey through the New Testament. We're also going to look in the book of Isaiah this morning, Isaiah chapter 11. You want to mark that in your Bible. Revelation chapter 3 verse 1. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works. That you have a name, that you are alive, but you're dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief. And you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. And he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Well, we've been um, studying these letters of Jesus to the seven churches. We've been taking uh, one church at a time. Uh, and remember, these are letters to individual churches 
but they speak to believers in every age and every church, uh, including, including us. Uh, and each of these seven churches were located in Asia Minor, in modern-day Turkey. And in the first century, that region of Asia Minor was a very important region in the Roman Empire. And these seven cities were uh, prominent cities in the ancient world. They're cities that uh, many of them don't even exist anymore as cities, or they exist by a different name, but they seem foreign to us. But in, in that time, in the first century, these were big, prominent, important cities in the Roman Empire. And so these churches, I think it's, it's worth noting that these churches were located in very prominent cities in that day. And, and today we're going to look at the fifth letter to the fifth church, the church of Sardis. I want to give you some background on the city of Sardis to help you understand the context of what Jesus says to this church. Sardis was much like the other cities that we've looked at so far. It had a lot of pagan temples there, a lot of idolatry in that city and all of the immorality that went along with that idolatry. Uh, it was also a city of great wealth and great luxury in John's day. It was also a city in John's day that um, its glory days were behind it. About 600 years before John writes this letter, uh, the city of Sardis was one of the greatest cities in all of the world. It was the capital city of an ancient kingdom called Lydia which was a huge kingdom in that area. It was the capital city. It was ruled by a king named Croesus, King Croesus. And King Croesus was the wealthiest man in the world in his day. I read in several older commentaries that mention that there was once a saying that went, he's as rich as Croesus. Uh, has anybody ever heard that? I've never heard that. All right. Somebody has. All these commentaries mention it like I should know what that means, but I didn't know. I had to Google it to figure it out. Um, but that's where it comes from. He was ruling from the city of Sardis. King Croesus built this city of Sardis on top of a mountain precipice on this, uh, this spur that kind of jetted out on the top of this mountain. And so on three sides of this city were cliffs, sheer cliffs, that went straight down to the valley floor 1,500 feet below. And so on three sides, it's got these cliffs. The city is built up on this, this mountain precipice. Uh, it was like a mountain fortress uh, similar to Masada in Israel. For those of you that went to Israel, just this mountaintop fortress and because of its location on top of the mountain, King Croesus believed that his city could not be conquered. In fact, he was so confident that no one could ever attack his city successfully and conquer his city that he did not place adequate watchmen on the walls of his city to watch for an attacking army because he was certain nobody would even attempt to attack his city. You know where this story is going, <laughs> right? Well, in about uh, 550, 549 BC, the Persian army under King Cyrus, you know, King Cyrus from the Old Testament, from the book of Ezra, that King Cyrus, 
he comes marching through that region with his army and he wants to take that city, but he can't figure out a way to attack that city because of its location. Well, one of his soldiers happened to watch someone from the city come down a secret path out of the city, down to the valley, and they go back up this secret path. And the soldier realized that there's a path up, there's a way up. And so under the cover of darkness at night, a handful of Persian soldiers snuck into the city via this path and entered into the city because it wasn't guarded, it was unguarded. And they were able to conquer the city pretty easily because they weren't expecting any any attack to come into that city. And so I tell that story because because of that event, Sardis was remembered as a city that was not watchful. It became like a saying in the day or like a byword in the day. People would talk about how Sardis was not watchful. Like we have this saying, remember the Alamo. Uh, Well, they had this saying, remember what happened at Sardis. Uh, They weren't watchful. Now, Jesus, uh, like we've seen with the other letters to the other churches, he seems to draw from that famous event in Sardis's history in this letter. If you look at verse 2, he urges the church in Sardis to be watchful. In verse 3, he says, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief. And you will not know what hour I will come. That's exactly what happened to the city of Sardis uh, when the Persians came. And so Jesus, you know, again, he's drawing from their their history uh, in this letter. In verse 1, Jesus says, And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, and remember that word angel, it means messenger. It's probably referring to the pastor of that church. This letter was written to the pastor to be read to the congregation. These things, says he, who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. And just as Jesus did in the other letters, Jesus begins here by giving a description of himself that comes from chapter 1. And the way that the Lord presents himself to each of these churches is a clue to what that church needs. He's reminding them of something they need, just as he does with the other churches. And here in this letter to the church in Sardis, he calls himself, he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. That's a reference to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit in all of its fullness. And what that church in Sardis desperately needed was the Holy Spirit. They desperately needed the fullness of the Holy Spirit in their lives as believers. And we'll talk more about that in a, in a few minutes. He says also that he has the seven stars. Uh, we're told back in chapter 1, at the end of the chapter, the seven stars are the seven angels of the churches or the pastors of the churches. So here Jesus is reminding the believers in Sardis that he has the pastors of the churches. In other words, he's reminding those believers in Sardis that he's the head of the church and that he should have preeminence in that church in all that that church does. And these were truths that the believers in Sardis had forgotten, that they had lost sight of somewhere along the way. The ministry of the Holy Spirit and the preeminence of Christ. Quite often those go hand in hand. When a church 
neglects the role of the Holy Spirit, quite often the preeminence of Christ declines as well. Now look at verse 1 again. Jesus jumps uh, right into his complaint against this church in Sardis. He does not begin by complimenting the church like he does in the other letters. Remember in the other letters, he says, I, I know your works, I know your love, I know your faith, I know your patience. He gives compliments to the other churches. With the church in Sardis, he, he doesn't have anything good to say to them. Pastor Dan will share the second half of today's message in just a moment. But first, he'd like to take a moment to tell you how you can receive prayer for your needs. Do you need prayer today? Every week we receive prayer requests from our listeners. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would like to pray for you right now. You can share your prayer request with us through our website, calvaryec.com. Again, that's calvaryec.com or through our church app or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of Truth radio ministry as we bring the Word of God to those who need it. Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now, let's finish today's message. They're they're not doing anything right that's worth Jesus commenting on. It's interesting that Jesus doesn't have anything to compliment them on. They're not doing anything right in Jesus' eyes. But neither does Jesus mention any specific enemies that church of Sardis faced. There's no adversaries. Like with the other churches. We saw the other churches are dealing with all these adversaries, but not the church of Sardis. There's, There's no mention of false apostles that they're contending with. There's no Jezebel in this church. There's no throne of Satan in that city. There's no Nicolaitans. There's no persecution. There's no one cast into prison or put to death for the name of Jesus. None of that is happening in this church. It's, it's, it's almost as if this church is so self-deceived that the devil is not even wasting his time with this church. He doesn't need to. As long as they keep believing what they're believing about themselves, they are no threat to the kingdom of darkness. And so there's no warfare happening. There's no trouble coming against them. The devil is not concerned about the church in Sardis. There's a lot of churches like that today. There's just no threat. There's no threat to the kingdom of darkness. And so there's no trouble happening. So how are they self-deceived? Here's how they're self-deceived. The believers in that church think that they are alive when they are really dead. They're dead. Look at verse 1 again. Jesus says, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Jesus calls that church a dead church. So Sardis is an example to us of a dead church. Now, when you think of a dead church, you try to picture what a dead church would look like, what comes to mind? And what what does a dead church look like? Well, what comes to mind might be, uh, you might picture, you know, some real old, big church building with a big sanctuary that can seat hundreds of people, but there's only a handful of people that go to that church. It's barely operational. 
You know, you might have a picture in your mind of, uh, you know, all these empty pews with 10 or 20 people just kind of scattered in the pews that could seat, you know, 500 or 800 people. And you know that, well, at one time they must have had big crowds that went to this church, but not anymore. Now there's just, you know, you know, 10 old ladies or something sitting there and some old lady up on an organ, you know, going, you know, and the hymnals and, and, you know, this is a dead church. Look at this. (laughs) Like it's on life support or something. That, that might be a picture that you might have. You might think of, you know, when you think of a dead church, you might think of um, a church that's very dull, that's boring, that's lifeless, where the service just kind of drags on, like, you know, like waiting at the DMV kind of thing. You're just waiting for church to end. But Sardis gives us a very different picture of a dead church, and I don't want you to miss this. Jesus said that this church had a reputation for being alive. There was nothing dull about that church. There was nothing boring. The church in Sardis had a lot of activity going on in that church. There were a lot of things happening in that church. There was a lot of action. There was a lot of moving parts. It's it's vibrant. It's exciting. There's a lot of energy. It's dynamic. Going to church was going to an event. When you went to that church and the people that went to that church, they believed they were alive. And the people in that community of Sardis believed that it was a a church that's alive. You know, you'd ask the people in the community, they say, yeah, something is happening over at that church. You see the parking lot and the people parking out on the street. and There's always big crowds there. And they had a reputation in the town for being alive, but they were dead. It's amazing to think about that. That here the, the people looked at that church and they said, oh man, it is so alive at this church. And Jesus looked at that very same church and Jesus said, it's dead. It's a dead church. The people are dead. Remember when we talk about, we talk about church, we're not talking about a building or chairs or carpets. We're talking about the people. Jesus looks at that congregation and those people and he says, they're dead. They, they've got a lot going on, but it's dead. It's a lively dead church. Now, the church in Sardis, it shows us a couple things about churches. Number one, it shows us that it's not always easy to recognize a dead church. A dead church isn't always dull and, and irrelevant and boring. A dead church isn't always just 10 people sitting in a sanctuary that holds 500 people. A dead church can be very attractive. It can be very inviting. It can have you know, a dynamic experience on a Sunday morning. It can draw big crowds. And I'm not saying, don't misunderstand me, I'm not saying that if you have a large church or a big church that draws big crowds or has activities, I'm not saying that is by definition a, a dead church. I'm just saying you can't use those things to measure whether a church is alive or not. Because a church can have all those things happening and still be a dead church in Jesus' opinion. Number two, the church of Sardis shows us that activity in a church is not always the result of life. Or to put it another way, activity does not equal life. So again, you can't determine if a church is alive or dead based on the level of activities or how many ministries they have or, you know, what's in the bulletin. Uh, a, A church can have a lot going on and still be dead. Number three, the church in Sardis shows us that it is easy to be fooled by a lively, dead church. Everyone thought this church was alive. 
except for Jesus. Jesus is the only one who said it's a dead church. Everyone else thought it was alive. Now look at verse 1 again. In verse 1, Jesus began by reminding the believers in Sardis of the ministry of the Holy Spirit because that's what they lacked. That's what they needed. They no longer depended upon the Holy Spirit as a church. Instead, they relied upon their own strengths and their own abilities and and their own power. And all of the activities and things happening in that church were all performed in the flesh and not in the spirit. It was all the result of the capabilities and skills and talents and strategies of the people in that church, and it was not a work of the Holy Spirit. In verse 1, Jesus reminded the believers in Sardis of the seven spirits of God or the sevenfold ministry of the Holy Spirit in that church or in an individual believer's life. Now, when it says the seven spirits of God, don't, don't misunderstand. It's not saying that there are, you know, that the Godhead has seven spirits in it. There's one Holy Spirit, but it's talking about the, the different ministries of the Holy Spirit. And this is actually a reference back to Isaiah chapter 11. So let's turn back there. We'll look at that together. Seven in the Bible is the number of fullness. It's the number of completeness. And what this church in Sardis lacked was the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, it says, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, speaking of Jesus, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And so this is a description of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And it says, first of all, that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Lord. The Holy Spirit is God. He is the third person of the Godhead. And so the Holy Spirit in a church is the presence of God in that church. That's what makes a church alive. The presence of God is there. And the presence of God is the Holy Spirit in that church. And when a church or an individual believer starts to move away from relying upon the Holy Spirit and walking in the Spirit, they lose the consciousness of the presence of God. They lose the consciousness of the the presence of God or the sense of the presence of God with them in their midst or in their life. Look at verse 2 again. The Holy Spirit is also the spirit of wisdom. And that word wisdom in your Bible, it means skill. The Holy Spirit gives us the skills that we need as a church corporately and as an individual believer. The Holy Spirit gives you the skills that you need for life. Whatever your station in life is, the Holy Spirit will give you the skills to do it. Do you remember in the Old Testament, Solomon, when Solomon became king over Israel and the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream and the Lord said to Solomon, what do you want? Ask me and I'll give you whatever you want. What an offer, right? You or I might say, let me have a couple days to think about that. So I want to have the good answer. I've got one, one shot here. I want to make sure I ask for the right thing. But Solomon immediately said he asked for wisdom. He said, give me wisdom. Give me the skills I need to be king over your people. He asked me how I know and I said, 
for tuning in to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Revelation, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. As you listen through this series, we encourage you to read on your own as well. There's so much to gain from spending time with God in His Word. You'd be amazed at what can be revealed to you in a personal way. Did you hear something today and wish you could hear it again for it to fully sink in? Well, we have just the thing. All of our messages you hear on Ring of Truth can be found on our website. Go to calvaryec.com and search for These Teachings under the Media tab. While you're there, you'll likely find and explore other series or teachings that you'll find interesting. Are you growing through this study in Revelation? We sure hope so. Another resource you might find useful is our podcast. You can subscribe to the Ring of Truth podcast as another way to stay connected to the teaching of Scripture. We'll notify you each time we upload a new episode. You'll find a link to subscribe to our podcast on our website, calvaryec.com. You can also search for Ring of Truth in iTunes. If you're interested in learning more about the church that supports this radio ministry, our website has all the information you need about Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Come join us this weekend for worship and Bible study. Once again, that's calvaryec.com. Thanks for listening to Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that crack. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.